Good morning, everybody. It's great to be with you here this morning, wherever here is, wherever you are. Thank you so much, Mike and Josh, for leading us in worship. And thanks to Grant for sharing some of his story and some of the realities and challenges that you're facing right now. Um, and thank you to everyone who's participated this morning. It's been great to be part of these mornings where different people are leading us in prayer, in reading the scriptures, in worship, and also in, in, in teaching, and how we're having this experience together, and all the comments that are going on around it. Thanks so much for being part of this. I want to start this morning just by sharing an experience that I had, like, just over a week ago. <laughs> Um, and to share this experience, I need to share a bit of context. There's a guy in the town um, that I've known probably for almost 20 years, almost the entire time I've been here. Um, and we come from very different backgrounds. And, and in, in the past, we've had a few run-ins, a few differences of opinion. Uh, he's a guy that comes from uh, a pretty challenging background. And there's there was a bit of bitterness and, and frustration in his life and because of that and because of my own stuff as well we've had a few run-ins we've had a few differences and and they haven't always been good and so there's this guy and, and but since I've come back over the last couple of years I've noticed something different about him and I see him quite a bit in town when I'm walking or when I'm often when I'm running really early in the morning and there's just a different countenance about him and as I've been walking, as I've been running, and as I've been expecting to see him, we've had some chats, hello, hi, just short things, but I've, all, I've been praying, God, how do I connect with this guy better? How do I encourage him? How do I just hear about what's been going on in his life? God, help me to shine light or to be light. I've just been praying for him a lot when I've been running. So that's the context. But then just over a week ago, I'm going for a run early morning. I don't do it that often, actually, but it's about seven o'clock probably in the morning. And as I'm running toward him, I see him ahead. He's waving, stopping me. And so I come up and I stop and we keep our two meters or probably more than that. But he just starts talking and it, it's, it's really surprising. He says, Paul, I just I wanted to stop you this morning because I, I need to apologize. He said, I need to apologize and ask your forgiveness for how, how I've treated you, how I acted toward you in the past. And he said, you and your wife, you were good to me and, and you, you treated me really well and I did not treat you well and, and I did this and I did that. And he went into this big thing, will you forgive me? I need to apologize, I was wrong. And it was, it was amazing. And you, and you know what was not running through my head as all this happened? What was not running through my head was, you're right, you need to apologize. You're right, you were wrong. You're right, you're right. No, not at all. What was going through my head was, oh Lord, I know how poorly I treated him. I know how I acted or reacted really poorly to him. I know that I often did not reflect Jesus to him. And so all I could say to him rightly was, I, I apologize to you. Thank you so much for saying that, but I also owe you an apology. I did not explain this whole thing and we apologized back and forth and it was just this incredible moment. But then he's, as I said, he's not really that much of a chatter. And so anytime I see him, he's, okay, you know, keep going, keep going on your run, get going. So I, I could tell he didn't want to talk anymore. So I just, I just kept going. But as I left, I was thinking, wow, the humility it took him to stop me to apologize is incredible. And that 
has already led to a couple other conversations, which are, which are a story for another day. But it's obvious from the other conversations that God is really working in his life. And God really challenged and encouraged me through him. And it all started because he was willing to sacrifice himself. He was willing to lay down his pride and lower himself to apologize and ask forgiveness for some things that happened years ago. Amazing. And all this happened right in the middle of me thinking about this passage for today, the short passage, 11 verses. And this passage is not packed with deep theology. <laughs> And yet it is. And this packet passage is not even packed with great story. And yet it is. Basically what happens in this pack passage is that Paul illustrates the entire thrust, really, of the Bible. The entire thrust of the message of Jesus by telling us about two people that have one amazing characteristic in common. Two people that so different to almost everyone else, even most Christians, continually lay down themselves and sacrifice their own self-interests for the interest of others and for the work of Jesus. And I'm just going to read a few verses. There's not much to it, but it's powerful. So in Philippians chapter 2, verse 19 and 20, Paul introduces Timothy to the Philippians. And he says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon, that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him who will show you genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proved himself. Everyone else looks out for their own interests, but, but Timothy has proved himself. And then chapter 2, verses 29 to 30, he reintroduces Epaphroditus to them. Now, Epaphroditus is a guy that they sent to Paul to give him a gift and, and to send him support from, from Philippi. And Paul says, so then, welcome him, Epaphroditus, in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. No story, no long explanation, it's just Paul commending these two men to the Philippians. These two men who are knowing, known for putting others and putting the work of Jesus above themselves. And I think this is so profound because the question we all ask is, what is God's calling for my life? What is God's purpose for my life? What is God calling me to do? We want to know what God has for us. Isn't that right? Isn't that what we all want to know? Do you want to know what God's calling is for your life? 
whatever you do, wherever you are, whatever circumstances you find yourself in, look out for others above yourself and seek the work and the good news of Jesus everywhere and every day. That's God's calling for your life. Profound, challenging, but incredibly simple. And it reminds me of someone else I've been looking at lately. There, there's this incredible website that sums up this calling, that sums up the way God has for us. And the whole message of the website is summed up in its name. It's called I Am Second. And this whole website is basically just a bunch of stories. It's a bunch of stories of ordinary and extraordinary and famous people, a whole lot of different people, whose lives have been transformed by God. And, and, and every single one of their stories finishes with this same line. My name is dot, 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 and I am second. Not my name is and I'm a Christian, my name is dot, 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 and I'm blessed, my name is dot, 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 and I'm saved. My name is Paul, and I am second. I'm second because I've become less important. I'm second because my needs become secondary to Jesus. I'm second because my life has become less valuable to me and Jesus has become more valuable to me. And the message of the website is that this is where real life is found. But this is not just the message of a slick and creative website. It's not even just the message of this tiny chapter of Philippians by Paul. This is the message of the entire Bible. It's the message and the thrust that it gives us over and over again. I love at the start of the Gospels when we meet John the Baptist. And, you know, John the Baptist was the forerunner for Jesus. He was telling the world that Jesus was, was going to come. But the problem for him was, as, as people saw, when Jesus did come, all of a sudden, all the people that were following John took off and followed Jesus and were getting baptized by Jesus. And all these crowds that were following him are no longer following him. And people noticed this and they said, John, look, everyone that was following you is now following Jesus. So how do you feel? They basically said, how do you feel about that? What are you thinking now? And he said, are you kidding? He said, this is what I came here for. This was my entire purpose. This is my joy. And he said this line, he must become greater and I must become less. And then a few years later, when Jesus is telling his disciples about his mission, that his mission, mission was going to end or continue with his death, they rebuked him. They said, no, Jesus, you can't die. You got to stay here and fight with us and, and, you know, continue this mission, mission with us. But his response to them was to call them to a life of sacrifice as well. Jesus said this to his disciples in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 25. He said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life 
will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. Live second. That's the call of Jesus. But the amazing reality is that this call is not about masochism. It's not about wanting to harm yourself or self-hatred. It, it's not about putting God first to punish yourself or putting God first to somehow pay for my sins and my mistakes. The beautiful reality that Jesus says is that by giving up our lives to him, we actually gain life. In John 10.10, Jesus famously said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. Other translations say to have it abundantly. So the Bible's call and Jesus' call over and over again is to live second. But the really important question is, what does that mean? When we think about stuff like this, when we think about men and women who live second, our minds are always drawn to those dramatic, like world-changing lives. We think about people like Amy Carmichael, the famous Northern Irish missionary who gave up everything to move permanently to India, to witness and to share Jesus and to see so much transformation in Southern India. We think about her. Or we go to people like Jim Elliott, who gave up all he had and took his family to Ecuador to, to witness to the Alka people and who would die at the hands of these people. And we remember that he famously wrote in his journal before this, he is no fool who gives up what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. But a life devoted to the good news of Jesus. A life second does not start by selling all you have and moving across the world. It probably doesn't even end that way for most of us. That's the reality. So we often think then closer to home. And when we think about people here that have given their whole life or that live second, we think about people like Alma Stafford or John Duncan or, or, or Karen Hewitt, and I'm totally going to embarrass all of them. People who just seem like they can witness Jesus anywhere at any time or pray miraculously for anyone at any time. Although none of, none of them would ever think that or say that about themselves. But those are the people that we think about. And we should definitely have these people in our mind, people that will inspire us and people that will encourage us. But the problem is we'll never get anywhere by comparing ourselves to other people. There's a pastor in the States, Craig Rochelle, the guy behind the YouVersion Bible app, actually. And he said this brilliant quote one time. He said, the fastest way to kill something good is to compare it to something else. But living second does not start by being able to boldly talk about Jesus everywhere you go to everyone you meet. It doesn't start by being able to supernaturally pray for people and, and transform people's lives around every corner. That, that's not how living second starts. 
I love the parables of Jesus. Obviously, all of Jesus' teachings are incredible, but his parables were powerful. And I love the parable about the talents. Because in this, Jesus is just really honest that we all have different gifts and we all have different skills. In fact, he's really honest that we all have different amounts of gifts and skills. And in the parable of the talents, he says, you know, some have one talent, some have two some have five and some have 10. Some have 10 times more gifting and skill than others. But that's not what the parable is about. The parable is telling us that all God cares about is that you use your 10 or you use your five or you use your two or you just use your one little talent for him to watch God do immeasurably more. I love that. Living second actually for all of us starts with small steps every day. But by, by definition, these steps are almost always outside of our comfort zone. Living second Starts like my friend that I told you about to start, who lay his life before me to apologize to me, to stop me and to say, I'm sorry, you need to forgive me. But, but laying yourself down like that is such a platform for God to work. Living second is, starts like a story Stan Kelly told us years ago when he's out for a job, running, panting, sweating, all that stuff. And he passes a guy who God prompts him to stop and ask how he's doing. And, and every reason under the sun goes through Stan's mind why he shouldn't. I'm embarrassed. That's strange. That's weird. This guy's going to think I'm a freak. How do I explain this to him? But finally, he puts all that stuff out of his mind to, to overcome that and go back to explain that God prompted him and to talk to him and and. and what happens is this incredible conversation in a time of prayer with this guy who really needed someone to talk to. Living second starts like Fiona just in the past year when she was challenged by a book to, to follow on from some of the prompts God is giving her. And uh, an old friend who she hadn't seen in ages just popped into her mind of the blue one day and she's like, okay, God, and simply just text them, how you doing? And and they text back, long story short, not, not really great. And, and so she, she worked up the courage and, and the bravery to say, well, can we meet? And, and not just can I pray for you, like over the phone, but can, can I pray with you? And what resulted was an amazing conversation and a powerful prayer time. Living second is like Michael Johnson, a story he told us last year, but in the hospital and with his colleagues at work, being convicted that God still heals today. And so when he finds that some colleagues are struggling with some things, he says, can I, can I pray for you? And when nothing's happening, he's convicted to keep praying for them. No, let's pray again. And, and sometimes nothing happened, but a few times he was able to experience and they were able to experience the power and the healing and the encouragement of God. And living second is like the story that Don told this week on Facebook, I know a lot of us saw it, where Don was just so desperate for God to work in her and to do something through her that even in lockdown, she just starts putting a verse or some verses on Facebook. 
She overcomes her pride and what will they think of me? But she cares more that people hear about Jesus than whether or not people think she's weird or a religious fanatic. And what comes out of that is two of her friends end up giving their lives to Christ. Living second is about us laying our lives down and saying, Jesus, you are more important than my pride. You are more important than my desires. You are more important than my anxieties and my fears. I want your power. I want to lay my life down so I can have your life to the full. But living second actually starts before anything we step out to do. Living second actually starts when we take our dreams and when we take our hopes and when we take our fears and our shame and our guilt and our burdens and lay them at the cross and say, Jesus, you are king. Please take these. Lord, forgive me. You are God. Help me to be second. I want to show you a bit of a story from that website I told you about, I Am Second. It's the story of a guy named Austin Charlie, and it's actually just the last minute of his testimony, but it's powerful. So take a look. The whole time I was running from God, I was kicking and screaming and trying to run the other way. He was waiting for me. He welcomed me back with open arms. And just to know that the God of the universe, the God that created everything that we are, loves me, loves you, loves us so much that he gives us chance after chance after chance after chance and pursues us. There's no greater love than that. The people that have followed me, they have to know now what actually brought me through all those things, and that was Christ. He's so important to me because I don't have anything else. I literally have nothing else, but my heart is more full than it's ever been in my darkness. My name is Austin Carlisle, and I am second. What a testimony, or what a close to a testimony, what a statement about his life. Jesus said, for whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But Whoever loses their life for me will find it. God is moving in our world today. We are in the middle of a great shaking of all that we've known and all that we've held so tightly to. We're in the middle of a physical shaking where our healthcare systems and the reality of death are constantly surrounding us and are constantly in our headlines. 
We're in the middle of a, of a psychological shaking where anxiety and fear and depression are, are actually the greater pandemic in our generation. And we're in the middle of a spiritual shaking where government and, and, and newspaper and other surveys coming back again and again keep telling us that, that more and more people are tuning into online church and more and more people are turning to prayer than ever before. God is on the move. And he wants us to join him. But it only happens if we're willing to step back from living first and step in to living second. How, how is God calling you to live second today or in this time or in this week? Will you listen to that still, small voice? Especially when it's calling you out of your comfort zone. Especially when it's calling you beyond your pride. Especially when it's calling you out of your time frame and your schedule. And into places where nothing will happen. And, and it's absolutely impossible unless God moves because that's where he does his best work in and through you and me.